What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob. I'm hanging out, taking, talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports uh, with my older brother, Chris, as always. Chris, what's going on, man? Bob, it snowed for the first time in Cleveland over the week, last week. Not a very hard snow. It didn't stick, but it was definitely snow. So you better bring your jacket when you come up here for Thanksgiving because I know you're you're used to that that not snow weather down there in Tennessee. That's that's southern. That's so, the southern winters. Yeah, I uh, I saw that. Um, I saw that unfortunately uh, on the broadcast of the Browns game that I was able to watch this weekend. Yeah, there was probably more <laughs> snow in the stands than fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it's hard to watch Cleveland Browns games down here unless I have league pass, which I don't, uh, or Sunday ticket, which I don't, but with the Titans playing on Thursday, um, for whatever reason, probably cause the Jags are in the same division. They thought that that was the game that, uh, middle Tennessee deserved to watch. Um, and, I, uh, I, I have to think that there is a better game <laughs> being played, uh, at that same time. Um, and Chris, not only was I able to watch the second half, but I watched it with uh, a couple of my bandmates who are also from Northeast Ohio. So it felt like I was at home watching the same old depressing Browns uh, just screaming at the TV. Chris, did, did you watch this game? I did not, actually. I, I was covering a volleyball championship, a Cleveland State volleyball championship. Shout out to the Vikings winning their third straight Horizon League tournament title led by a couple of uh, hometown players from the newspaper I freelance for. So that, that was actually way more entertaining than the Browns game because, A, a Cleveland team actually won, and, B, it was just a fun match. I mean, they dominated something the Browns are used to having happen to them as opposed to the other way around. So uh, that that is how yeah. I spent my Sunday afternoon. But, but I heard that the Browns game was not uh, – uh, very watchable no certainly not I mean that doesn't mean it wasn't winnable for the Browns which uh, I think should be highlighted Uh, in the fourth quarter the Browns were only down three points um, and they had two chances late in the game to score a game-winning drive uh, and Deshaun Kaiser fumbled the ball twice uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars two plays in a row actually uh, lost those fumbles and ended up losing the game. Chris, this was not a strong showing from Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, I, I'd say some elements of the team stepped up because the Jaguars are, despite the name, uh, a legitimate team this year uh, at 7-3. and three. They were 6-3 and three heading into this game. The defense was stout. Uh, receivers at times were, were passable, but Deshaun Kaiser, two fumbles lost, two interceptions, uh, and just... Uh, a very poor overall game begs the question Chris 10 games in to this season obviously Deshaun Kaiser hasn't started all of these games but um, are you worried about Deshaun Kaiser and his future with this franchise I mean how can you not be worried I mean they're 0-10 Kaiser has not looked good even by rookie standards but first let's just Break this down for a minute. Jacksonville's defense is legit. Probably the best defense in the NFL. Look at what Jacksonville's done to Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Teams that are ahead of the Browns, to say the least, offensively. 
though you might argue Baltimore. I don't know. No. They're definitely ahead of the Browns offensively. And Jacksonville, especially the Pittsburgh game, made them look silly. So for anyone to expect the Browns to have lit up the scoreboard against this defense was kind of in delusion land. But as you said, Bob, the game was winnable. It was only 19-7. to Strip sack touchdown was what sealed the game for Jacksonville. So the Browns were in it right up until the end there. Uh, obviously, you know, having the ball in their hands with two chances to win it certainly was a winnable game against one of the league's best defenses. So from that standpoint, yay. But then when you dig deeper and you look at Deshaun Kaiser's stats, only completing 50% of his passes, one touchdown, two interceptions, the fumbles you mentioned. And Bob, he was sacked five times. I mean, that that is a problem. That has been a consistent problem. Whether he's holding the ball too long or the line is just not able to protect him. He was sacked five more times, Bob. And, and he has taken so many hits in the pocket that uh, it's hard for me to say whether Deshaun Kaiser doesn't have what it takes or if this team is just so bad that that it's hard to know because at times Deshaun Kaiser has looked good I'm not saying he's looked great I'm not saying he's looked like the answer but he has shown flashes at times they've been very intermittent but he has shown it it is hard to sort out what is Deshaun Kaiser's fault and what is the the surrounding team's fault but certainly Two fumbles when you have the ball in your hands. I mean, that, that's just terrible. He's responsible for, for four turnovers on the day. That That's obviously something he can control to an extent. Right, yeah. I mean, you can't – 10 games in, 14 interceptions, uh, an additional four fumbles lost. Uh, you know, you can't chalk all that up to being around an inexperienced team. Uh, there are plenty of cornerbacks that have been drafted highly – given the reins week one uh, and have taken off and looked good. Uh, that's not to say that they're at, at the same level of ineptitude that the Browns were when drafting Kaiser, but you know, when you dra- when you have the number one overall pick, y- you're a bad team. Uh, and, and we've seen some quarterbacks have success in their rookie year, Deshaun Kaiser not being one of them. Um, so yeah, it's one part, the, the talent around him, I, I agree. Uh, there were drops by the wide receivers, um, but they, there, there was enough there, especially with Corey Coleman coming back and having a, a sound return with six receptions and 80 yards. Um, there was enough there in the passing game that I have to chalk some of this up to Deshaun Kaiser struggling uh, and just not making the right reads. Uh, there were some balls that he threw that either were just wobbles, uh, not tight spirals at all, or I saw at least one pass where he targeted a a wide receiver marginally open, would have caught the ball if he just delivered it uh, on target. Uh, He threw it about 10 feet above his head and into the stance. And and stuff like that, that's that's only Deshaun Kaiser's fault. Now, it also doesn't help when Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson combined for 13 carries and 28 total yards. Isaiah Crowell himself, 1.6 yards per carry uh, and only 11 carries. Um, one, I think that's scheming. I mean, why why are you only running the ball with your running backs 13 times over the course of a game 
when the score is never more than a two possession game throughout the, the entirety of this game. Now, I, I know you're running that into the teeth of, of a Jaguars defense, but you have a rookie quarterback. You have a 21-year-old rookie quarterback. Uh, you have to assert yourself in the run game. I sound like a broken record with that, but um, I think this just highlights it. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser has halfway through the season probably his worst game of the year, and uh, you know, I don't. I think there is a correlation with Isaiah Crowell only getting 11 carries and 18 yards. Uh, those seem to be related to me. Yeah, Bob, I, I agree. The scheme of the Browns needs to improve. I mean, you understand that you have a rookie quarterback who is still learning the game. Why are you putting so much pressure on him to win the game? And, and Bob, I'm not excusing all of uh, Deshaun Kaiser's flaws. Uh, I, he certainly bears responsibility with his performance. He's not played well consistently. And those flashes that I alluded to earlier are very intermittent. Um, I'm just saying it's not all his fault, and he's not on a very good team. The one thing I will say, though, is I'm about to make a comparison, and I don't want people to take this too crazy. But let's look at Carson Wentz last year. I understand he threw for 3,700 yards. I understand he was more accurate than Deshaun Kaiser, 62%. But he also threw for 14 interceptions and lost seven fumbles. Turned it over a ton his rookie year. Had a QBR of 49.4, a rating of 79.3. I don't know what people value those. But the point is, Carson Wentz took a major leap from year one to year two. We're also going to look at another quarterback, Jared Goff. You know, he only played seven games, but he completed 54% of his passes. Only threw for 1,000 yards in those seven games. He only threw for five touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he also fumbled the ball five times. His QBR was 18.9. Again, he, people wanted to run him out of St. Louis at the time, and they did. He went to L.A., and then when he got there, they wanted him to run <laughs> out of L.A. as well. And now look at him. 61% completion, 2,600 yards in 10 games, 16 touchdowns, only four interceptions. He only fumbled the ball three times. His QBR is shot through the roof. All I'm saying, I'm not saying Deshaun Kaiser will be these guys, but Bob, last year, Jared Goff especially, people were saying was going to be one of the biggest busts ever after one season, seven games. Deshaun Kaiser has still only played 10 games on a really bad team. I'm not ready to just say that he can't make it yet, that, that he's not good enough yet, because he's shown potential. And, and I understand that, that most of it's been bad, but he's also a rookie on a really bad team. So I'm not about to just th- show him the door because he struggled against the league's best defense in the NFL. I agree. Uh, and, and, you know, that Jags defense, they're able to, to just rush four and drop so many people back that uh, it's a nightmare uh, for, for any quarterback, let alone a, a rookie quarterback. I agree. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser needs time. I just I worry that this Browns team is so lacking in talent around him, and they've already thrown him to the Wolves, starting him in his rookie season. That uh, there isn't going to be patience to to let him develop, or we're just going to end up breaking him. Because Deshaun Kaiser, uh, you know, I, I I like the comparison to Carson Wentz, um, and, and you know look at what the the moves that the Eagles made heading into the second season 
they added two power running backs in LeGarrette Blunt in the offseason and Jay Ajayi. Uh, halfway through this season, they added Alshon Jeffrey. Um, they, they beefed up the, 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 the weapons around him. I think the Browns would be smart to do that as well. Um, but keep in mind, Carson Wentz is about three and a half years older than Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, he's had, he, I think he's just further along. Kaiser is on like a three year track. And I don't think that, you know, many quarterbacks are given that type of, of growth, uh, time for growth in the league. It's a win now mentality. And, you know, if you play two full seasons and put up the numbers that, that Sean Kaiser is headed towards, I mean, no head coach is going to let him start in the third year. So I, I am worried that we're just going to run out of patience with him and move on to the next flashy name. You know, the Browns have potentially the number one overall pick in, in a very high second first round pick. Uh, there are some quarterbacks on that list. I, I just worry that, that Deshaun Kaiser, uh, I don't doubt that he can be a franchise quarterback. I, I just doubt that the Browns are going to have the the patience and uh, teaching aptitude to, to make him that franchise quarterback and my counter to that is then why did you draft him you knew he was 21 coming into this draft you knew what you were getting into why even waste the draft pick on him if you're not going to see this through I'm not I'm not saying it was a bad pick I I thought they got good value for the pick and they only invested a second rounder already drafted three guys in the first so ultimately if he doesn't work out it's not your traditional situation where you're investing your only second-round pick on a quarterback. But at the same time, Bob, I mean, it's not like the Browns are just swimming in talent all over the field. They could use the resource elsewhere if they didn't feel Kaiser was going to develop in a timely manner. So that that's my question. If that's truly the reason that he's not going to work out, then, then that's on the front office. And I just... It just gets back to the systemic problem with the Cleveland Browns that they just they really don't seem to have a plan. Even though this front this 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 front office, I have said before, seems like they do. So I I don't know, Bob. I I don't know if I should be worried about Deshaun Kaiser's long term future with this team or not. I, I feel like that they are going to give him the leeway, but you said it earlier. But I mean, the Browns might have the number one pick again. There are at least two quarterbacks in this draft that a lot of people feel very strongly about, talking about draft experts and, and scouts, the temptation to, to, to make that pick is going to be huge. Yeah, for, for sure. And yeah, I, I, I agree that, you know, you have to, you know, put the onus uh, of this on the front office. I mean, yeah, you don't draft a Sean Kaiser without a plan. It's not like you can just plug him in. I think they they mismanaged whatever whatever plan they had with quarterback. I don't think their intention when they drafted Kaiser in that moment was for him to be the immediate starter. Um, I, I just think with Brock Osweiler not working out um, and Cody Kessler starting the season hurt, uh, they they were just forced into that, and now they're going with it. But um, I don't know. I, it... it <sighs> If I were, if I had to sit here and explain all the decisions that the Browns front office had to make, um, I would sound insane. Um, but yeah, let's talk. You'd about also some miss of these Thanksgiving, Bob, if we started down that road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
For sure. Well, Chris, let, let's talk about these quarterbacks that are potentially uh, at the top of next year's 2018 NFL draft. Uh, the two that, that most people agree are going to be at the front uh, actually faced off uh, in the rivalry game, USC versus UCLA. We're talking about Josh Rosen, the junior for UCLA, and Sam Darnold, the redshirt sophomore for USC, um, both uh, putting together strong seasons and, and sit atop most rankings, uh, you know, top five potential for both of them to go uh, within those first five picks. Chris, do you, do you like either of these quarterbacks? And if you had to choose, which one would you pick for the Browns? Well, first, I don't like talking about the draft this early, but I'm going to make an exception because arguably the number one and number two picks, I'm not saying they're going to go one-two in the draft, went head-to-head last weekend. And I think that's kind of cool. This reminds me of when Mariota and Jameis Winston went head-to-head in the Rose Bowl, then went one-two, and then played in their first NFL game together. I I thought that was one of the coolest kind of rookie moments uh, in my lifetime. And so whenever, I, whenever you get a chance to see something like this, it, it's pretty cool. So I, I made a point to watch this game on Saturday, or at least most of it. Um, I was very impressed with Josh Rosen. Uh, that is a guy who can throw, make every throw on the field accurately. He had two fantastic uh, long passes. One was called back because of an illegal man downfield. Put it right on the money. It was just beautiful and he also had a great back shoulder throw in the end zone. Uh, his, his biggest mistake was the interception in the end zone he threw in the second half. Uh, terrible read. But I, I think Rosen just looks poised, cool in the pocket, but, but he, he's just such a good technical quarterback. And on top of that, what, what, what most impressed me about Rosen is that UCLA would go to the line of scrimmage and then Rosen would be directing the offense and call, and call the play. When USC ran no huddle, they would stop and everyone would look to the sideline. And that kind of tells me that Josh Rosen has more of control over the offense than Sam Darnold does. And I like that because in the NFL, you need to have a quarterback who can be an extension of your coaching staff on the field, who is essentially an assistant or offensive coordinator on the field. I'm not saying Josh Rosen is definitely that, but it certainly seems like it based on the way the two teams were running their offense. So if it isn't obvious... I, I like Josh Rosen more than I like Sam Darnold right now. Um, but that's not to say that Sam Darnold isn't a good prospect. I just think Rosen impressed me more that night. Yeah, it, it it's it's really uh, fun to see them go head-to-head uh, in that game. And it's, it's kind of shocking how similar these two quarterbacks are. I mean, 6'4", both of them. Darnold uh, officially listed at 220 pounds. Rosen, 218 uh, they both play in L.A. Uh, they're both third-year quarterbacks. Uh, Darnold obviously was redshirted his first year uh, and didn't even start uh, the start of his sophomore year, um, but he led USC through a tear in, in the second half and and was a, uh, set for, for a big season this year. Um, f- for me, I, if I were to pick the two of the two, I, I would pick Sam Darnold just because I think he has had more moments uh, in his almost two seasons worth at USC where he has been the guy that has led his team to victory and, and has had some very memorable moments. I'm looking at that Penn state game, uh, and during the bowl season. Um, and he just seems to be a winner. And I think that's the main difference between 
Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, Kaiser was a third-year quarterback coming into the NFL as well. Um, so all three of these guys are going to be – Kaiser obviously already is, but Darnold and, and Rosen are going to be raw. I mean, they've only had three years' worth of experience uh, in in the college ranks, so you know, expect a lot of mistakes. I think Sam Darnold, though, just has those intangibles. I don't really like the – what Josh Rosen brings uh, outside of his talent. Uh, I think he is kind of an interesting person, uh, an interesting personality um, that I don't think the Browns would benefit from having at the quarterback position. But Chris, I got to tell you, if I were to pick, you know, if I'm picking number one overall, I want to pass on both of these quarterbacks. But again, if if I were to, if if I had to choose one for the Browns, it would be Sam Darnold. Yeah, I don't want to knee-jerk my evaluation of Sam Darnold because I think that it's it's can be deceiving to just judge everything on one game, and it's the same with Josh Rosen too. I was not impressed with Darnold last night. He seemed to struggle at times, especially when um, he was forced to stay in the pocket. He'd get a little happy feet. He, he, he kind of stared down a couple one reads at times. But again, I, Carson Wentz played at North Dakota State. Obviously, it's hard to you just say that based on competition how someone's going to play out. You know what I mean? So I'm not trying to just bash. I, I want to avoid bashing Sam Darnold based on one night, even though his team ultimately won. I still think he's a very good prospect. He did a lot right against UCLA too, don't get me wrong. I just think Rosen had the better game. And I also, again, just don't want to overrate Rosen or underrate Darnold based on uh, one game. I kind of agree with you just because I think Kaiser long-term could be the answer right now. But Bob, after you've seen what happened with Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson, do you think this franchise is going to be pressured into making the pick high this year? That's what I'm most afraid of. I mean, that that is a concern, but I feel like that's the, the concern every year, <laughs> that the Browns are, are pressured to, to pick their quarterback uh, w- with their first pick because they, they just have been devoid of a starting quarterback for, for so long. Um, so part of me thinks, well, if they were able to resist the temptation the last couple years, um, then, then why not another year? The problem is they resisted the temptation and then the guys that they could have picked are now succeeding greatly uh, in the NFL. So I get what you're saying that they, they may uh, end up taking a quarterback that they're not in love with. But I think if it's still this front office, Sashi Brown and Paul DePodesta, they, they stick to their numbers and their ranking. And if they have Darnold or, or Rosen or, or Mason Rudolph even ranked as the top quarterback or the top overall player and they're picking number one, then they're going to pick that guy. If not, they're going to pick somebody else. Uh, I, I do believe that they, they stick to that their rankings almost to a fault. Um, so I'm not too worried, but I, I do get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I just, it's unfortunate because I, I truly believe that if Watson or Wentz were on this team, they would not be as good as they were. In, in Watson's case was, and Wentz's case is. Um, and in fact, I think Sean Watson may have been injured earlier in the year yeah, yeah. if he was on the Browns. So, I just think 
it's one of it's it's one of those situations where I, I know it's an age old excuse and, and, and counter argument would be well you have to have the quarterback and maybe they'd be better and, and I understand that but the Colts have Andrew Luck and. They're not that good because guess what? Andrew Luck isn't on the field. He takes so many hits because he plays behind a really bad offensive line. So I just don't think that those two guys would be the superstars they are on the Browns. I, I do agree with that. Um, but we we have visualized their potential now, so it's easy to say that um, Wentz or Watson, if they're standing upright on the Browns, better than any quarterback that the Browns have had in a really long time. Um, and, and that's hindsight. That's think that's looking back uh, in retrospect, but that's the reality. And so I, I do think that'll put pressure on them like you brought up uh, to draft a quarterback. But Chris, w- would you, I mean, given the choice Rosen, Darnold or the fields, who, who would you pick? Based on what I've seen, Josh Rosen, uh, if I had to take a quarterback, that's the one I would want. But again, to be fair, I, I it's it's early, and I reserve my right to change my opinion as I watch yeah. more college football and start you know really digging into some of these prospects. But right now, based on what I've seen, Josh Rose. Well, that chatter is only going to get stronger as we oh. approach uh, the end of the NFL season and the NFL draft, obviously. Uh, Browns fans were thinking NFL draft uh, probably in preseason this year. I mean, they they had two first-round picks and a lot of other picks. Um, they were thinking NFL thinking, draft during the last NFL draft. <laughs> quite so. I mean, they, they did pick – yeah. They, I mean, they made it, that pick with uh, the Texans. So, obviously, they people were already licking their chops for 2018, which is sad. But, Chris, uh, six more games left. Browns are still winless. Uh What's the chance that they win one? Uh, we got the Bengals up next. What's the chance that they win that game? I think they got a shot. I don't think it's a good one. But I'm going to make a bold prediction, and I'm probably going to regret I think the Browns win two of their last six games. That is a bold prediction for sure. Um, I like that Packers game the most. I-, I think at home against Brett Hudley, they could do that. Um asking for two and you're asking a lot Chris so I'm gonna stick with one I do think they'll win that Packers game uh every other game I I I do not think they'll win well first off I I think the Bears is just as winnable as the Packers and I think the Chargers is a team that plays up or down to their competition ignore what they did last weekend that is a very inconsistent team and I know they have a really good defense but Bob they were the one win last year I, I actually think the Browns have a shot to win four of their six remaining games. They're not going to win four, which is why I say I think they're going to win two. I do think they have a shot at beating the Bengals. Of those four, this is probably the least likely because I think Cincinnati still better than the Browns and they have everything together. Um, but, but yeah, I, I like the Packers. I like the Bears game. And, Bob, let's not forget it. Pittsburgh is clinched out. They may play their backups again. I know it didn't work out last year, but they took the backup Pittsburgh team to overtime last year, so they might sneak another <laughs> one in there too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see. I, I mean, the Browns could beat the Chargers. I, I have a hard time thinking that the Chargers – won't get up for this game being as they were the the team that lost to the Browns last year and to be that team two years in a row I I don't know um that's why I'm putting my money on on that Packers game but 
I could see it. I, I, I agree. I mean, there are some winnable games uh, down this this final stretch, but um, you know, it's I, I don't think they're going to win a whole. I think it's one or two. Bob, the, the Chargers might want to get up for that game, but but I just cannot trust the San Diego Chargers to be consistent. That that's my only thing is that that is an, an enigmatic, crazy up and down team, and it's been that way for a long time. Um, I, I agree. They should be motivated, and they probably will be. But I still think that's a game Cleveland could win. I, I'm, I'm standing by it. I think that they will go 2-14 and 14 this year. I think they are going to win two of their last six games. Good use of enigmatic. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I think we both have been calling them San Diego Chargers. It's, it's L.A., the L.A. Chargers. Oh. Yeah, I forgot. They play, they play in L.A. now, that, that what, 10,000-seat stadium. <laughs> is it it's not it only 10,000 in attendance right it yeah no, it's not more. it's not that small it's like 35,000 but yeah it's 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 not looking good for the um San Diego LA Chargers no nobody's going to those games and rightfully so I mean they're they're bad and that the Rams are good well, anyway and it stinks for the Chargers that the Rams are like you said are just a they're LA's favorite son and b they're awesome right now so Right. This is like the worst possible situation for San Diego. They're playing in a sandbox. They don't want to be there, and nobody there loves them. Yeah. San Diego liked them. Yeah, I know. I don't know why the NFL did that, but. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, moving on away from the NFL ranks, uh, taking a look at college football as we head into the rivalry week the last week of college football obviously uh the big game the game uh on the line here for ohio state as michigan comes to town uh chris what is your prediction for this matchup i believe in ohio state because michigan has looked lost without their starting quarterback ohio state's defense is good enough and the offense seems to have found its rhythm against michigan state um the Michigan defense is legit. Almost upset Wisconsin, played them very tough. But I think Ohio State just has more on the line. They've gotten things ironed out, and I think Ohio State will win this game. I just don't think Michigan can overcome the loss of its quarterback. They've, they've, they've just looked not the same without him. Yeah, I, I uh, tend to agree with that. I think if Michigan um, – upset Wisconsin or offensively did a little bit more against the Badgers I would be a little bit more concerned for for Ohio State Um, yes the defense is there Um, they held Wisconsin in check until uh, late in the second half uh, of that game where you know Michigan's offense was just not doing anything so eventually Wisconsin broke through offensively but they did have a 10 to 7 lead uh, at the start of that third quarter so um, their defense could win this game for them, uh, but they would need some big throws. Uh, th- they could be playing their third quarterback, the Wolverines. Uh, Brandon Peters uh, might be in concussion protocol. His status is uncertain for this game right now. Um, so I think it's Ohio State's for the taking. That being said, this is uh, one of the greatest sports rivalries uh, across all sports. So anything can happen. Uh, but for Ohio State, all they need to do is take care of business protect the ball offensively uh and they don't have to reach offensively because they'll just grind michigan out um because the wolverines cannot do much uh 
on the offensive side of the ball uh, because of their quarterback situation. Can you also believe that Bob, Ohio State now again has a legitimate path to the college football playoff? Like an actual realistic scenario where they would be the fourth team. Yeah, uh, I have to say, I mean, since the playoff era, Ohio State is like the golden child. Like whenever bad things happen to them, uh, their luck just falls their way, and they're able to to sneak in. I mean, it happened last year, um, and, and it just seems like they are the. Uh, the child of fate uh, in the in this playoff era. Last year was a little crazy, but Bob, I think this would be you could call him a golden child if they pulled this off. Like the 2014 one was a little crazy, but they had drummed Wisconsin like 59 to nothing in the title game, and TCU and Baylor were arguing about who was the real champion. I think the biggest mistake that the Big 12 made was not just saying. TCU's our real champion because they won the head-to-head. Had they said that, I think TCU would have been in. But because they let the committee decide, it split the committee, and they just said, fine, we'll put Ohio State in because they just crushed Wisconsin. I think that's where they went wrong. And then last year, again, you get rewarded if you have a big non-conference victory, which they did, and they beat Oklahoma. But, Bob, I'm not going to lie. If they pull this off, I mean, all they need is Alabama... Miami and Oklahoma to win out and if they take care of business every team in front of them except Notre Dame will be moved out of the way and so I don't know I mean you're looking at a two loss Big Ten champion versus a two loss Notre Dame team that'll be a toss-up that's it that's a assuming Notre Dame wins out I mean there's a there's a really legitimate path to that number four spot yeah for sure I mean and I'm not saying that any of their invites previously were, were undeserving. I think that there are teams right behind them that are, you know, they, they could theoretically be ranked 10th right now, you know, behind Notre Dame and USC, but they just happen to lose at the right time against the right team. Other teams lose after them where it, it sets them up to sneak in uh, at, at times. Cause I, I you know, uh, other teams ha- have, legitimate two loss seasons as well that that they could argue for their status a, a little bit higher but just Ohio State what something about them just wins wins a lot and loses at, at the right time no I I definitely agree it would be very fortuitous uh Bob but I also caution you look at the college football playoff rankings Notre Dame is still ahead of Ohio State now this, these have not been updated as of this recording but um while Ohio State may be ahead of Notre Dame in the polls uh, Notre Dame is ahead of Ohio State in the college football playoff rankings, which I think are a little more important. And I would be worried about a two-loss Notre Dame team against a two-loss Ohio State team. I, I, I would, I would think the committee would favor Notre Dame in that situation. Um, USC, I'm not too worried about though. I'm actually, I'm not too worried about them. Why not? Well, the reason is they lost to Notre Dame, and so if they're both two losses, Notre Dame would be ahead of USC. So maybe USC is ahead of Ohio State too, but. I guess it's all irrelevant because Notre Dame's already, in my eyes, would be viewed as the superior team than USC. So I would think it's Notre Dame or not USC. Okay. Even with uh, that, assuming USC is the the Pac-12 champion and and wins that that 11th game? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, they would certainly, I'm not saying they wouldn't have an argument, but at the same time, I just think that Notre Dame beat them head to head. And so if Notre Dame is 10 and 2, USC's 11 and 2, I mean, Notre Dame, I think, played an overall kind of tougher schedule. I would think that the head to head would win out there when comparing the two because, because there is a clear head to head. So yeah. that, that's why I'm not as worried about USC. All right. Yeah. I, just, just picking your brain. Uh, USC's regular season is done. They they are going to the Big Twelve championship, uh, set to face either pa- Stanford. Pac twelve. Pac twelve. Sorry, Pac twelve. Yeah. Uh, set to face either Stanford or Washington State, both teams who they who they have played uh, this season already. But Chris, is, overall, this was a a, a relatively weak uh, slate of games, uh, kind of laying low before we get this big finish at the end. Any other game that that you want to talk about that happened over the weekend? I don't think there was any really good game over the weekend. There was a lot of weak sauce football this weekend. <laughs> uh, the Miami game was entertaining. I, I, I watched some of that. Um, obviously, that was an upset. Miami shouldn't have been in that situation where they were down 14 points at two different times, but uh, that made for an entertaining game. Other than that, though, yeah, it was uh, most of those top 10 teams were, were winning big this week. Iron Bowl, baby. I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. There's something crazy is going to happen in the Iron Bowl this weekend. You know it. Yeah, always seems to be that way. It should be a good game. And Auburn's gonna could wreck a lot of teams' dreams if they beat Alabama because I think a one-loss Alabama team might pull an Ohio State what they did last year. Yeah, I I, I could see that. Yeah, but we'll have to see. I'm not gonna make a prediction on that game. Because uh, I, I really don't know. Oh, neither do I. And I, I, I just think something crazy is going to happen. It's just going to be a fun, insane game. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we will uh, certainly recap the game and the rest of the games that happened this weekend uh, next episode. But Chris, quickly moving to the MLB. Uh, both of us were proved wrong in the MLB awards races. Corey Kluber taking home his second American League Cy Young trophy in four years, uh, almost unanimously uh, winning that trophy and beating out Chris Sale. Uh, How surprised are you that Corey Kluber took home this award over Sale? I'm not surprised because I think both of us, while we picked Sale, uh, said that Kluber still had a really good shot, that this was the toughest one to pick, that it was going to be a really close vote. But Bob, we weren't just wrong. We were annihilated 28-2 to two in first place votes. That is about as dominant as you can get. I mean, we both picked Chris Sale, and, and the voters just said no and, and threw the hammer down. And, and I love it because it, it is great to see uh, a Cleveland Indians pitcher win the Cy Young. Bob, you realize we've seen four Cy Young winners in the last 11 years. Bob, I, I don't know. I don't know if we can keep this up, man. This is just an unprecedented rate of cranking out Cy Young award-winning pitchers. And it looks like this one's not going to be traded for prospects anytime soon. I think that's the best part about this. Um, certainly deserving. Um, and, 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 again, Chris Sale had a fantastic year, too. But I, I just think this was a very close uh, decision, despite what the vote says. Obviously, the September finish uh, for Kluber um, played a huge role. Yeah, and and looking back uh, as 
as we now have these results, it, it seemed that that second, not just September, but the second half for Kluber, the 179 ERA and a .77 whip over that second half versus Chris Sale's 312 ERA and 1.07 whip. Um, and Corey Kluber almost pitched uh, close to, to, to 24 more innings over that stretch than Sale. So um, pretty clearly when you dig into the numbers, Kluber, while Sale and Kluber had similar similarly successful seasons overall, uh, Kluber uh, did it when it counted uh, in the second half and then particularly in September. Yeah, it's really good to see uh, the Indians getting recognition over the past 10 years or so uh, with these Cy Youngs. Uh, but Kluber himself, Chris, is the first American League pitcher to win two Cy Youngs uh, in the American League since Johan Santana. And, you know, if you look at Max Scherzer, who's won two in the NL, one in the AL in between that. But, you know, Kluber has now joined an elite rank of pitchers uh, that has won multiple Cy Youngs. We're looking at Scherzer, Kershaw, Lincecum, Halliday, Santana. I mean, it's still weird that Kluber's so unassuming and at times so underrated that uh, to to see Kluber amongst those ranks of truly dominant aces uh, of the the 21st century but he is and and I love it and uh, I think it's fantastic that he's pitching for Cleveland you want to know what else is fantastic Carlos Carrasco finishing fourth in the vote that is insane you've got the number one and four pitchers in the league on your team and last year Corey Kluber was better than the guy who won the Cy Young so go figure that one out Uh, but but the point is uh, it is truly awesome to have a pitcher of that caliber on the front lines for for your favorite ball club. Uh, congrats to Corey Kluber, and, and it's going to be exciting to see him pitch for the Cleveland Indians again next year. Yeah, definitely. All righty, man. Well, that's a wrap for this podcast. Hey, we hope all of our listeners spend some time with their family this Thursday, or this weekend, whenever. It's Thanksgiving. Have some fun. Eat lots of food. See your family. Watch football. It's going to be a ton of it. Hopefully everyone can just take take a break and enjoy it. Uh, Bob and I certainly will. It's going to be fun to see you and Kayla and and our sister and everyone this weekend. So so we're very much looking forward to that. Um, but we will be back on Monday, probably after we hit the gym a, a lot after uh, devouring a bunch of pie and stuff like that. With another episode of Clee Talk, you can uh, check out all our old episodes at FenleyRoadSports.com, especially if you, have, if you have a long drive or flight or something like that. It's the perfect listening material uh, for your road trip as you go see your family. Uh, you can just subscribe on iTunes by clicking the icon in the upper right corner or search Fenley Road Sports on iTunes and click Clee Talk. It's just that simple. We thank you for your support. Please come back next week. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Search